All right, so we are back on the trail of trying to figure out what led to the creation of Monty Python. So the main thing, I guess it was because to follow this trail back, it was uh, Marty Feldman that uh, somebody in a comment recommended a Marty Feldman show to me. And then, then I realized he was in that show at last, the 1948 show with Graham Chapman and John Cleese. So I thought it would be interesting to look into the other Pythons and see what they were doing before Monty Python. So uh, Eric Idle is who I focused on this week. So he joined Cambridge a year after John Cleese and Graham Chapman and uh, that Footlights comedy group that they were all in. He joined that and became president. And notably, he was the first president that allowed women to join. And I find that so weird because, you know, between our two generations, like, it's always just surprising to me to, to read stuff like that. Because obviously things aren't fully equal nowadays, but way more so. Like, it would never even cross my mind that the comedy group in any university anywhere wouldn't let women in. That's fucking crazy. That's like Stone Age shit, but yeah. that's what's happening. Let them, yeah, let alone their drama clubs. They wouldn't even let them in the universities. Yeah, right. So, so yeah, it's just surprising stuff like that because, yeah, it makes you remember because this was only like the 60s. Like, really wasn't that far back that tomfoolery like that was still going on. So uh, good on Eric Idle, though, because he was like, fuck all that. So um, this show, I, I honestly don't know that much about it. It's called Do Not Adjust Your Set. And it not only had Eric Idle, it had uh, Michael Palin and Terry Gilliam, who did those weird animations. Right, yeah. He apparently, I think, if I understand correctly, did some weird animations for this. And uh, the guy I totally forgot all the times we've been blabbing about Monty Python recently, Terry Jones, the other guy, the uh, bring me a fucking bucket. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot all about him. He's oh, he like, was in that, too. He was in Do Not Adjust Your Set. I believe so, yeah. So basically half of the people were in the 1948 show and the other half are in Do Not Adjust Your Set. So I'm going to keep looking around to see if there's any other stuff. But basically, it seems like these two shows both aired right before Python and you just slam them together and put it in color <laughs> and you get Monty Python. And uh, yeah, like I couldn't find a lot of information. Like it's just Eric Idle. Here's the stuff about his personal life and growing up and stuff. Joined Cambridge and now he's just on this show. How did that happen? Like, I just, like, there's no information about that where, uh, I guess, presumably just the, since Cambridge is so famous and the Footlights is their comedy group and he was the president, I guess you just, that's all the uh, resume you need maybe to you get a TV show. into television. So uh, all I do know about this show, it ran for two years, 1967 to 1969. Uh, it ended just five months before Money Python started. So this was right before but apparently it started as more of a children's show, but it was really popular with adult audiences, including Chapman and Cleese, who are big fans, and that's why they got Eric Idle to guest star in their show, and then everyone combined. So I think, if I understand right, like as it went on, it became less of a kid's show. But uh, I'm not quite sure what episode I have here, because this is another one where half of the episodes are missing. And this is just from a DVD they put out. Somebody ripped this from the DVD, so... This is just file 1A of the DVD rip. So presumably this is the first episode. It's the first episode that is available anyway. I don't know if it's the very first episode. So yeah, I just don't know much about it. It's just, uh, it's got a bunch of Python people in it. It might be a kid's show. And uh, yeah, and I guess, <laughs> I guess we'll see. <laughs> kid's shows in Britain, though, were probably not 
you know, kid shows in the, in, a, in a, the United States at the time, even some adult shows, were very saccharine and everything was sweet and everybody lived in suburbia. I bet kid shows in Britain were pretty racy. Right. Well, <laughs> That's even, why adults would like them. Yeah, even, uh, I mean, it wasn't a British show, but that show we watched, one of the really early variety shows that had a Punch and Judy thing, which I always think of as a quintessentially British thing, and Punch and Judy is bizarre. It's just everyone is beating each other You're with pretty sticks. pretty friggin' violent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, the other thing, yeah, do you remember Space Patrol? where uh, we watched the wrong show by accident. We watched like a really neat marionette British show from the 60s instead of the saccharine kid show from the 50s. When we finally found that, it was, yeah, really lame and not good. Somebody commented on our YouTube video like, hey, fucking watch the, listen to half of this. They're not even watching the right show. And all I could comment was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> we watched the wrong show. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, if anyone's coming to us for and like... it was better. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad we made the mistake because the uh, actual Space Patrol sucked real bad. But yeah, if anyone's coming to us for like hard-hitting journalistic info, you're lucky if we're watching the right show. <laughs> That's not what you come to us for. So hopefully our ignorance is charming. And along those lines, yeah, here's Do Not Adjust Your Set, a show I didn't know anything about till yesterday. <laughs> so, so let's see what we think. So when that first started, you know, it's like, all right, there's three Monty Python guys. It was similar to the 1948 show because it's like, all right, there's the there's the people we know, and there's another guy. <laughs> there's always that one extra guy who I don't know who that guy is. But I was like, all right, like this is gonna be great. Like look at all these Monty Python dudes, you know. And uh, yeah, it just wasn't. <laughs> no, I'm I'm surprised that they went on to become something as successful as Monty Python. It reminded me of. Um, well, a university variety show, like uh, like the University of New Brunswick always used to have the Red and Black Review, and it was that kind of stuff. Yeah. It was very much like it, you know, and not all that funny. <laughs> yes, yeah, and very similar <clears throat> to that 1948 show. Same thing of just like, yeah, it's surprising that, it's surprising that this went on to become Monty Python, or if you look at it the other way, not surprising that no one's heard of these earlier shows. <laughs> yeah, like they definitely, if Monty Python hadn't come together, it just wouldn't have more this would be more this is very reminiscent of like as i say of something like the red and black review which you'd be watching in an audience live so you'd probably enjoy it right but just the feeling but, of the crowd but to actually have it on tv i don't know i'm well, surprised that even lasted for two years well that's something that really i thought was weird because there was a little smattering of little kid laughter at the start i'm like okay right so maybe they just have either kids in the audience or they're playing the show for kids and then i forgot about that because there wasn't another smattering of laughter for like another 15 minutes and i'm like uh oh does that mean those kids were just not laughing the whole time because <laughs> i do remember one of the python guys saying that about that they didn't use laugh tracks on Monty Python, and you could really tell. Some of those sketches are just bone dry. No one's laughing. <laughs> so, But the ratio is much better than that. I double-checked, too, because I was like, did I mistake the Terry Gilliam thing? Was I just, did I read Terry Jones and think Terry Gilliam? But I double-checked. He does show up. I guess he just wasn't in that one. But that would have helped just throw in some weird animations or whatever. 
they had an awful lot of music in it, yeah. which again rem was very reminiscent of a variety show. Yeah. There were so many of the skits started off and looked like they were going somewhere. Yeah. Like they needed a, a catchy punchline or finish or something, and they just never got there. Yeah, like the premise was there. Like, yeah, the um, like criminals planning a thing, and then they realize that they're all undercover cops, but then kind of nothing. Or, uh, yeah, just some little, just needed some little catch or something. Or the most classic one, because this happened in the 1948 show too, is a uh, guy walks into a store to a standoffish store clerk, and like so many classic Monty Python bits have that exact setup. But in this case, yeah, it just didn't. Just didn't didn't spark, didn't go anywhere. And the only time we laughed was uh, the birth of the baby. And then yeah. the nurse comes out, and here's all the gents sitting there waiting for their babies to be born. And she says he looks just like his stepfather. And his father stands up and takes off his coat and is standing there naked except for a diaper. <laughs> yeah, which again, like I say, too, it's like... Totally the, unexpected, that one. And yeah, the 1948 show was like that, too, where a lot of the shorter bits were better because they just got to either to the joke or to the non-joke but at least they just got there and was out yeah i don't know it was weird because i guess you're always you know hope springs eternal right like when it first started and i saw all those guys same feeling i had with the 1948 show it's like these are all the guys these are these titans of comedy this has got to be great and then it just it just doesn't go anywhere but the thing this made me think of that I thought we could maybe just toss in as a quick end thing, because uh, all these little weird random sketches that aren't necessarily all that funny, and then what really made me think of it is when they threw in the music. Like, let's just toss in some music. You know, this is clearly the formula is, especially if this is like an afternoon kid show or something, just fill the time. Who cares? These kids are going to watch it. You, know? <laughs> you don't have to break your back. And it reminded me so much of this Canadian show called The Hilarious House of Frightenstein that was even more so that sort of formula and i'll be interested to see this now to see if it's actually funny because i loved this show when i was a kid but maybe kids love do not adjust your set you know you just as long as you never watch it again and your memories are that it was funny but kids have shit, shit and especially since when that show was made do not adjust your set there would have been very limited television right so I, I know, like when I was growing up, there was such a limitation of TV sh of uh, TV channels that you watched everything, and you thought everything was great. Um, and it could have been the same in Britain too. Uh, this thing may have lasted for the two years because there was nothing else to watch. You came home from school and it was on, and you watched it. And I wonder too. I mean, it's possible too because that was like the first one or early. Maybe that just does get better. But that idea that uh, Graham Chapman and John Cleese were fans of that show and brought those guys in to Monty Python like it could just be partially again just the uh, nepotism of their you know good old Cambridge footlights boys or at least Eric Idle was but also I mean you can tell they're talented performers they're really good at and natural at like because they all the little mannerisms and stuff that's what's so weird about it it's so close to Monty Python and it just just doesn't have any flavor to it so it could be that, too. They're like, yeah, we can whip these people into shape, you know? Which, again, I'm going to have to look up who is the fourth guy, like with the dude with the goodies, you know? Maybe that guy went on to do a bunch oh. of stuff. It's always like, who's the, who are these random people that were right there but didn't get to be in Monty Python? That's, that's really weird, too. But, yeah, the other thing that made me think of Hilarious House of Frightenstein, like when they just took a break in the middle of Do Not Adjust Your Set to just play a song, particularly, I guess, because it was the Monster Mash, too, made me think of this. This show, I just did a quick little look up. This is amazing. What a fucking just ludicrously 
low budget piece of shit this show is, is they made 130 episodes, if I remember if I read that right. Yeah, 130 episodes, and they filmed them all in one season, in a nine-month period. So every episode is the exact same scenarios with slight differences over and over and over. Like, you know, there's uh, Igor and Dr. Frankenstein, and they just tell a different joke every time. So they clearly filmed, like, 30 of those all at once, and then they just split them up between the episodes. And the most egregious, like, let's just fill time because it's just a dumb kid show, is the Wolfman in this. Because it's like, a, you know, Castle Dracula, Frankenstein, whatever the fuck. It's just general horror tropes. The Wolfman is a radio DJ. So he would just play a song and dance to it in front of a psychedelic, like, screen. Every episode. <laughs> and as a kid, I was like, that's fine. I'll watch it. I love it. But it's, like, so low quality. And being Canadian, too, is a made in Hamilton, Ontario, made it extra low, low budget. This guy, Billy Van, was the main guy. He played almost every character. And, uh, and uh, Vincent Price did uh, some stuff in it, though, so that was kind of... He was the only name. This wasn't even that much later. This was only 1971, so only a few years after Do Not Adjust Your Set. But by the time I was watching this show, it would have been like 1985 or something, and it was still on TV all the time. So that nine months really paid off because they just played this show into the ground for like the next 20 fucking years and then put it out on DVD and that's where you can get it now. So uh, for whatever reason, episode one is on YouTube. It says it's an hour, but this show wasn't an hour. It was like 20 minutes. So if it is an hour, we'll just watch 20 minutes and bail out because you don't need to watch this whole thing. But I just thought we need to toss it in because it really feels like what they were doing with Do Not Adjust Your Set of like, let's just try to fill afternoon time for kids here's what we were doing in canada the canadian version and yeah like i loved this show but this might not go well <laughs> this might be the worst thing ever so hilarious house of frightenstein episode one is on youtube geez maybe this show was an hour all of these are like 45 47 minutes maybe they split them up when they were syndicating it later because i definitely don't remember it being an hour I also had no idea this show was Canadian. Like, uh, you can't do that on television was Canadian. Well, just the definition of wasting time, right? <laughs> and again, it's not like, oh, we'll just put in the Wolfman one time. Every episode, the Wolfman dances to a song. <laughs> I wonder if it's Canadian content. Three Dog Night is Canadian. And they did mention, yeah, TCB, Taking Care of Business, that's Canadian as well. Yeah, that's so, yeah. So, yeah, I bet it, I never thought yeah. of that, but I bet they do play. I betcha. I bet that this was all part of having to provide Canadian content. They used Canadian artists. So, yeah, we definitely don't need to watch the rest of that. But, yeah, that's, uh, I guess, like, now that I see it again, sort of similar with Do Not Adjust Your Set. I was hoping at first. I'm like, maybe, maybe this will be funny. But it's really not. And now that I see it again, yeah, this is uh, way lazier than Do Not Adjust Your Set. Like, so lazy. And, and especially even, like, just watching one, it doesn't get across the whole laziness of it 
but all of those segments like i was saying like the the gorilla getting hit in the head the uh the guy with his crappy projector vincent price just uh rambling weird old edgar Allan poe shit to you like just over and over and over and over there was never an episode that deviated from this formula even one time it's always this <laughs> so, so anyway that's uh I guess it's, it doesn't really connect as much as I thought it did, but this is just what came to mind. It really, it was when that band started playing in Do Not Adjust Your Set, and it brought back these memories of the Wolfman, of like, how many hours of my youth did I watch this fucking guy in the Wolfman suit dance around in this psychedelic backdrop to just a song, just to fill time. And did Igor dance with him every week, too? Oh, yeah, of course. Because <laughs> it's always to this guy, what was his name? Um... Billy... Billy Van? Yeah, I think that's his name. Billy Van, yeah. So he's all of these people. He's not Igor, obviously, but he's the Wolfman. He's the old librarian. He's the... It, that name sounds familiar to me for some reason, that Billy Van. But I don't know why I would know that. Canadian, of course. Comedian, actor, singer. Passed away in 2003. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I could look into him. He's, maybe he did other stuff, you know, but... uh but this is definitely his, his main see, claim to fame. Would, yeah, this would easily fill, well, each the song would be two to ha- two and a half to three minutes for sure. Yeah. And then the introduction that they have, that would be probably a 10-minute filler. Or f- yeah, and I mean, they didn't, uh, it's not like they just like put that in as some kind of edited version either. They that, that It finally finished. The whole time we've been talking, they've been dancing to that song. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that is interesting to see, though, that these were an hour, because they must have cut them in half when I saw them, just to get more out of it. Because if that's true, if it's 130 hour-long episodes, then that's 260 half-hour ones. And they made these in nine months. Like, it's, I mean, it's impressive. But it's also, like, like I feel like this is, like, some kind of weird tax shelter or something or something like what is going on how do you make this many episodes that quickly and it was obviously a huge hit because it was still playing decades later i was watching this stuff you know it was always on and then when i was in because i remember when i was in vancouver and uh that was like the mid 2000s was when they first put this out on dvd and all my vancouver friends who were either from vancouver or uh or Alberta, they all knew this show too. Every fucking Canadian of my generation loved this show. But they never made more of it. They just did this one big batch of them, and it was the same exact jokes every fucking time. <laughs> so yeah, it's weird. It's like I, I respect it, and it's a piece of crap at the same time. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. That's... Uh, that's well i don't think i'll run out and <laughs> make that one part of my daily routine watch that yeah because i feel like uh, like because i i distinctly remember it was my friends aaron and derek i was hanging out with them and i think it was derek was like hey did you hear hilarious house of frightensteins come out on dvd and like he was all excited like should i order it or whatever and he never did <laughs> but yeah i think that would have been a terrible idea because if you watch one episode you've just relived your whole childhood. You don't need to watch a box set. You don't need to watch a bunch of these. Like, what's the point? Just to watch the Wolfman dance to a different song? (laughs) Which can very well all be Canadian content. Yeah, yeah. The Wolfman is the one that kills me the most because it's clear that, like, the librarian was just reading some old public domain, you know, uh, stories, and they just had some weird limericks for Vincent Price to say. But at least, like, the Dracula and Igor sort of had jokes. 
But yeah, the Wolfman though, it's that extra step of like, at least the other ones, as lazy as they are, you gotta have at least the idea of like, okay, we'll go through the horoscopes or we'll do something, you know? <laughs> but they picked, a, they picked a subject matter that I could see kids, uh, especially young kids, really buying into. Right. I mean, that whole Frankenstein stuff. Yeah. And uh, Dracula and Igor and scary things and candles and, you know, occult. And, yeah. Um, they, yeah, it just had a cool vibe. Yeah. Because like, yeah, I was thinking that especially with the librarian, the librarian part reminded me a lot of uh, Lamb Chop, where Sherry, what's her name, and her little lamb thing, because they would just read you a story or something. That's all the librarian was doing, but he's got this creepy old man makeup, and there's a skull next to him and a candle. And so it's the same exact thing, but it seems more yeah, interesting. A lot of images that uh, the kids, uh, uh, kids are really drawn to that kind of yeah. scary, spooky, the unexplained. And then the other show like that is um, You Can't Do That on Television was, uh, again, I feel like it was better, but who knows if I watched it again, maybe it wasn't. But same thing where it's like there's uh, one guy who played almost every adult in the show. And like he had uh, like one of the sketches was they go to his restaurant, Barf, his name was. (laughs) They go to Barf's Diner and the food's gross. Every single week, they went to Barf's Diner and made a joke about the food being gross. Like, I guess that's just... uh, but there, there must be something with that familiarity that uh, they deem as successful, like Kids in the Hall, for example. They oftentimes have repeat people. Skits, skits are different, but, you know, like the chicken lady and, and those, those cops, the two cops, uh, some of the women that are the power, power women and all that. They, they are the same people that show up again and again and again in their skits. And you're drawn to that familiarity. You say, oh, yeah, I know that person. Oh, yeah, that person. You know, Like the old uh, uh, Latvian taxi driver or whatever <laughs> whatever nationality he is. And he's, he's so gross and his spittle always coming on. His, he, he, if the, he was a different character every week, you wouldn't be drawn to him. But as soon as you see him, you say, oh, yeah, that guy, that creepy guy. Yeah, that is true. That, that like familiarity yeah, that they, of, of something repeating and repeating and repeating. Yeah, once you start lining them up like that, yeah, like Kids in the Hall does have a lot more repetition than I realized. And I guess like, uh, like in the case of Do Not Adjust Your Set, a lot of those sketches were just not getting a reaction at all. So yeah, I guess why put all the work into an original concept that no one's going to laugh at? Maybe it is better to just like, every time that gorilla gets hit in the head and falls down, every little kid in Canada laughed. <laughs> so why not? Even, even if you, I mean, we started off here talking about Monty Python. Even when you go back to Monty Python, there are, they're not, they're not the same character, but they are... Stuff like the old ladies. Yeah. The old ladies, or you get the, the British uh, officer, and he's always dressed in a certain way, and it's always Graham Chapman who plays that part, even though it's not the same British officer, but it's a British officer, and he always looks like that. So you're drawn to that. Oh, yeah, I know that guy. Or certain of the, the police when they show. It, it's always the same actor who plays that police officer. So they they do it too, not as not as blatantly, but there's a yeah, they do <laughs> yeah. it too. Yeah, so I guess if uh, not that the point of this podcast, not like we're trying to learn lessons necessarily, but if we were, I guess that is the lesson to learn about comedy is like, and I mean that's what sitcoms are in general. You know, there's over the course of a sitcom, situations evolve, but 
week to week it's the same kind of scenario over and over so yeah you could do worse than repetition but uh I wonder if there's ever been a show more repetitious than Hilarious House of Frightenstein. I feel like it's in the running for number one because it, it's incredible how all like, yeah, I can't imagine watching two episodes. Why would you ever? But just watching that one, it's like, man, yeah, I remember all that stuff. I remember all of it because <laughs> it was always that. I'm sure I never saw that episode, but I saw that episode, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs>